history. And it all starts with this horrible place. You know, Willie's may seem like a happy-go-lucky child's play place, but it's much, much more than that. Willie's was built in 1996, the brainchild of Jerry Robert Willis. If that name sounds familiar to you, it should. Jerry was one of the last century's most sick and sadistic serial killers. Jerry spent most of the time cultivating similar sickos. And these were the most depraved people you could ever imagine. Often, Jerry and his crew would whisk away unsuspecting families to the super happy fun room. Once inside, the families would be treated to a birthday cake and a private show by Willie Weasel. The shows would always end the same way. to the nightclub where it's your birthday and we want you to have fun i'm travis maxwell boone an animatronic deplorable joined by nicholas cage oh yeah you put your right leg in you put your right leg out <laughs> and tonight we've got a uh, a fellow horror fan Yep, uh, my name is Danon Jones, uh, fellow podcaster, former podcaster, uh, radio personality, I guess you could say, and a horror aficionado. Aficionado? Holy yeah, man. shit. I'm busting out $3 words tonight. The, the nightclub is usually a little swanky, a little swanky, a little classy, but yeah, aficionado. swank. I brought my top hat and my monocle to this bitch. Oh, shit, swine. <laughs> swine about town. Swine Ricky. about town, boy. <laughs> that's, that's, I'm twirling my even. cane over here. <laughs> um, tonight, we're going we're gonna to talk about a pretty fun movie, and Nicolas Cage, I, I guess, is here. Ricky is Nicolas Cage, but it, it's starring yeah. Nicolas Cage. We're going to get to it. Yeah, you said you were, you were a radio personality, Dane, and uh, that's how I first knew you. <laughs> I met you about six or seven years ago at the station in Broussard, Louisiana. I, I found out about the, the was it 93.7? That's it. Yep. I uh, used to be the afternoon guy uh, there. I started as an intern, worked my way up. And uh, yeah, it was uh, we were doing a, uh, a local singer-songwriter competition deal. And uh, yeah, that was the first time I ever got to meet you. I found out about that, that, that gig like three hours before it was going down. And it was supposed to be just bands. 
I was, I think I was the only solo person that was there. I believe so. That sounds right. And I came in second place and I was like, no fucking way. <laughs> the band that beat me out was called Tandem, by the way. They were fucking good. Everybody was good that night. No, yeah, dude, that was a great night. We had a lot of, uh, we, we got a lot of talented people in that just area. But yeah, dude, I remember, I remember we talked cause I remember you told me you were a big Modest Mouse fan and I was like, yeah, we vibed on that for a minute cause, uh, those guys are awesome. <laughs> Still to this day. Isaac yes, Broccoli. Isaac Broccoli is my god. Dude, I saw, a meme, I saw a meme the other day that made me laugh. It said the dude from Modest Mouse sings like somebody's chasing him with a water hose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, at times, that can be very true because he's okay. yelping and, and running away from that. Grandpa's pissed at Isaac Brock's house. <laughs> <laughs> so you were a radio personality, and part of me really wants to get like the – the radio voice. No, oh, do like it. The, do the radio voice, I, dude. I I never really had that. I just kind of talked the way that I talk. You know, I was trying to kind of have the nat. I didn't want the the canned like here's Johnny. You know, that wasn't me. That was never <laughs> my style. In fact, they kind of actively encouraged us not to be that way. They wanted us to be as kind of conversational as possible. But I think I got a pretty decent voice. So, <laughs> oh yeah, I I remember listening to you on ninety three point seven. So when I met you, I was like, oh shit, that's the voice guy. But mm-hmm. you're not. But not that you never sounded like. Well, you're listening to ninety three point seven. Yeah, the pukey. <laughs> it's called the what? The pukey voice, like yeah. I was hoping to get a. <laughs> well, you're listening to the nightclub and uh, coming up <laughs> oh, is Willie's shit. Wonderland. Sorry, yeah, Nicholas Cage. Let me get a few more beers in me, and we'll we'll talk. And then you get the air horns in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, toilets flushing. Oh yeah, air horns, dogs barking. <laughs> of Nicolas Cage and Willy's Wonderland, um, the aforementioned film that we're going to be talking about tonight. You're a, a horror aficionado, self-proclaimed. Yes, yes so I'm sir. Like, I want to know when and what got you into horror film. You know, I was thinking about this earlier, and I was trying to recall, like like many of us, you know, it, it, it kind of started uh, as a childhood thing. And, um, you know, obviously when I was a kid, uh, growing up in the nineties, goosebumps was huge. Uh, that was probably like the gateway. And, uh, you know, so, so definitely that reading the books and watching the TV show and, and, uh, and what have you, uh, Ernest scared stupid was another early, uh, kind of gateway to horror. Uh, you know, that surprisingly uh, didn't scare the shit out of me as a kid. I enjoyed it. (laughs) Oh man. I was a kid. I was, I was a super puss, man. Like I, I was scared of everything. I know what you mean. Yeah, no, they ended with the trolls got me, but I, that was that, that was a, See, a very. I thought they were rad. I was like, oh, those are cool, man. <laughs> yeah, that's I surprisingly, thought they were, I thought they were cool too, but I, I admit they also scared me as a kid. Oh yeah, but uh, the first like horror, like straight up horror movie that really uh, I remember kind of uh, sticking with me <laughs> surprisingly for a lot of people was uh, Friday Eight, Jason Takes Manhattan uh, when I was a kid. Uh, one of my cousins, I was at his house and he had that movie on tape and I hadn't seen any of the Fridays at this point. So I, uh, I asked him if I could borrow it and I brought it home and I watched it. And to this day, you know, I watch it now and it's like, yeah, it's a terrible movie, but it still holds a special place in my heart. 
I, I, yeah, two things. Um, that you're, you said you're, that, you're speaking, you're speaking Tebu's language over here, just so you know. <laughs> yeah. Part of my horror origin is, is also goosebumps, um, combined with watching Joe Bob on Monster Vision growing up. Nice. But, but also, yeah, man, <laughs> I love Jason Takes Manhattan more than it deserves. Absolutely. But maybe not if I love it that much, you know? Right. But I, that's one of the movies that, joe bob showed back in the day that just from the opening scene on the boat scared the shit out of me when he came and he tracked that girl down and he just knew exactly where she was hiding in that boat i'm like man fuck you jason you piece of shit (laughs) fucking clairvoyant or psychic or whatever the fuck he is at this point unstoppable (laughs) zombie wet zombie dripping all over the place forever throughout the whole movie that's fucking rad, dude. What 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 are some of your favorite movies? He tick from when he moist. Oh yeah, Jason's that moist boy. Yeah, he yeah. is. <laughs> He's dripping that crystal. Um <laughs> <laughs> Ricky like that one. That's what, right. uh, what like are some that. of your favorite movies from when you were growing up? Like whether they were horror purely or I, I would like to know some of your favorites as a kid that were horror, but a kid, teenager. But also movies that maybe were horror adjacent that you grew up watching. Because I grew up watching Never Ending Story, Labyrinth, Dark Crystal. Some of these movies, uh, Return to Oz, that were for kids, but more geared towards, you know, the darker side. Well, I'll tell you, uh, probably the first movie that I remember as a kid, it wasn't really, it wasn't even a horror movie, but it was just like shockingly violent for me at the time, being that I was probably like seven years old the first time I saw it was Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, I love that movie. Uh, You know, it's a classic to this day. Obviously, it still holds up uh, probably better than maybe the sequels do. But, but, you know, the end when everybody gets their faces melted off and shit, when I was a kid, that like blew my mind, dude. And, uh, you know, so that was a big one. Uh, For me, it was the Kale Ma. Oh, the yeah, Kale yeah. Ma when he his heart out. Me and Temple of Doom. Yeah. It's so funny, dude, because I, I was having a sleepover with a friend of mine. And like I said, we were probably like seven or eight. We were going through all of them. And we put the second one on. And it was probably like 10 o'clock at night. And Homeboy gets his heart ripped out. And my friend goes to my stepmom. And he's like, I think I need to go home. Like, he, he was just traumatized. He had to go man after he saw that. It was like, oh, shit. Out I think I need to go him. home. <laughs> Homie was shook. Like, he God, saw damn. stuff he couldn't unsee. Exactly. So I kind of feel, feel bad now because I think I suggested it. I was like, we should watch this because I love that movie. The cosmic body horror of Temple of the Doom. Indeed. Fucking yeah. A. But, uh, but going back to horror, though, man. Uh, I think the movie that probably uh, really just kind of solidified my love for horror, I was 14 years old and I saw it in theaters the night it came out was uh, the first Saw movie. And uh, that shit just kind of changed me. Uh, You know, just the, I love the twist at the end. And and I was really hyped to begin with because the trailers were really good. And, you know, I was excited about it. And then when I finally saw it, I was like, yes, it like lived up to the hype. And, you know, and like I said, it kind of just, just blew me away as far as the way they, they pulled that off at the end. I thought it was really smart. And I, I that's still to this day, kind of one of my, one of my, favorites. it holds up, bro. It, 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 it does. Holds up well, it, it it's, does. It's fucking 10, bro. I don't care what anybody says. It's fucking Agreed. 10. I don't Agreed. care yep. if the rest of the franchise poo pooed it a little. Oh yeah, definitely. The first movie's a fucking 10, bro. Agreed. That, that twist ending is definitely iconic at this point. And yeah, it, I would say saw, 
and it's is, got my homies in it, bro. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that, yeah I mean, James Wan and uh, Lee Winnell, they're both obviously like two of the biggest names in horror right now. And, and I mean, that was kind of their launching pad. So that was cool, too. That's that's what I was going to get. It's like that's the franchise, the probably the biggest of the last. I don't know. Well, that and The Conjuring of the last 20 yeah, years. Agreed. Uh, but of the 20, 2000 to 2010, dude, that has got to be the franchise, you know, the fra- the iconic horror franchise of that, that time period. What's crazy, too, is that the, both both of those mentioned Conjuring and Saul, that's both James Wan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, exactly. And James uh, Wan's maestro. a powerhouse, bro. I mean, he's a he's a maestro, powerful fucking uh, James Wan over here. Definitely. Saul, Saul was the one that definitely hooked you in, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. And then, I, you know, going in, and and, and it, it kind of showed me another side, too, you know, because, like, I bought the movie when it came out, and then I was like, man, I want to know everything about this movie. So now I'm listening to the commentary, and that's when I finally, like, learn about James Wan and where he came from and, and how they got started with that movie. And it's kind of it's kind of an interesting story because, you know, they were just kind of like two nobodies from Australia, and they – uh you know, they they ended up, you know, in this crazy scenario where they're making this movie and they've got like a million dollar budget, but they're working with, you know, Danny Glover and, and Carrie Elways and, and, you know, some of these actors that have been around for a long time. And, you know, it's just wild. And then obviously the movie is a smash and, you know, now they're doing sequels and stuff. And and Dead Silence was a good one, too, man. They, that was a, a underrated movie, I thought. I like it. I actually it. haven't seen Dead Silence yet. Oh, it man. was very spooky. Very spooky. Nice. nice. I enjoyed it. It's, little, it's, pup, yeah. little puppets can be creepy, so yeah, it's, I dig it, it. it's very different from Saw, but it does have that same kind of like you know they both have the twist and everything like that. It's not quite as 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 uh, iconic of a twist, I guess, but but it's still it's a good it's an underrated movie. I say that right after going on from Saw, see, well, the first movie that did Seesaw. that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> we always I we see, always land on that joke somehow. Oh, you guys, about Saw. I see Saw a Saw. Because Signs was the first movie that did that for me, where I'd always liked movies, but I really dived in when I saw Signs in theaters. And like you, I bought the the first. It was the DVD for the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's the first DVD I ever owned. Nice. And I I listened to all the commentaries. Lo- still to this day, I think that's one of the best commentary tracks I've ever heard. With uh, Gunnar Hansen, Kim. No, it's not Kim. Is it Kim Hinkle? I think I don't know. I need to check that out one day. I think that's right. I I do like to hear that. Oh man, they tell great stories, like really great stories. And um, I got the remake from '03. After that on DVD, then Signs, and so it was like that little trifecta right there that made me want to learn about the movies, not just watch the movies. So I, I, I agree with you on that. Going from Saw, what would you say would be some of your more recent favorites, like from the last? you know 10 years well to be honest with you man to in the last 10 years indie horror has kind of blown up big time you know there's a lot of movies kind of obscure movies that that just kind of come out of nowhere and then it's like everybody's talking about them and then you know like an it follows or some of these a24 movies that have come out more recently have been really good like midsummer and hereditary and 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 you know just like like prestige horror dude another movie i really liked um was the lighthouse have you guys seen that Oh yeah, that was a Fucking weird ten. Yeah, that was a weird movie, Fucking dude. But ten. it was so good, man. The acting, you know, was on point, and uh, you know, just kind of a two man story. But hot, was- hot take. But I, I wasn't sure uh, Eggers was going to be able to top the witch. But yeah, in my opinion, man. in my humble opinion, 
it's yeah. it's up there dude they're neck and neck if not you know better dude. but like yeah the acting is fucking great the, the it's just a well-made movie i mean all of those movies are, are it's, it's, it's gorgeous man mm-hmm. that black and white all that contrast i agree I, and gorgeous. i mean this is not really related to horror but well it kind of is because it, it looks pretty pretty spooky but man the the new batman looks awesome i'm excited about that and i think pattinson's gonna do a good job i'm, I'm looking forward to it personally yeah, Matt Reeves, the director, said that it's basically it, – it's that close to being a horror movie. Is it's what pretty I read. dark. It's, oh, it nice. looks really dark. So I'm hoping like the this sound Batman – this is my headcanon. I'm hoping this Batman film somehow takes place in the Joker um, universe. Cool. The, well, I say Joker universe, but I'm, I mean the – what's the name of the guy that the, made that? The movie? Joaquin Phoenix one. The yeah, Joaquin the Joker verse. Yeah, the one that's Todd Phillips, I think, the director. Todd Phillips, that's yeah. who I was trying to, whose name I was trying to uh, pinpoint there. Yeah, yeah, that that that's going way back to episode five because I covered that movie <laughs> on episode five. Damn man, Ooh, I, I'm gonna shit. have to go back and listen to that. I love that movie, dude. It was so good. It's yeah, that's a fucking ten, bro. That's another yeah. ten. That's yeah. tens all around. That's we throwing tens. tens. That's all Ten. I do. That's all I do is throw tens at him, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky's out there throwing tens. Throw some tens on that bitch. It, <laughs> I just making it rain on them hoes, boy. <laughs> kind of mentioning a little bit earlier um movies that you grew up with that kind of scared you and were horror adjacent mm-hmm. this is this is going to be where we transition from the kid to the i don't know adolescent because i think this would be more for adolescents but this is that adolescent horror that mm-hmm. gets you into horror and potentially the origin of tonight's film so i want to go ahead and talk about five nights at Freddy's. Yeah, man, definitely. Uh, I, you know, I've been kind of interested in, uh, in in this topic because, I mean, the, the games have really just kind of blown up and gotten to be a pretty big deal. To be honest with you, I haven't really played that much of them. It's a pretty basic game, you know. It's like a point-and-click kind of game like that were popular in the 90s. Uh, yeah, it's a point-and-click survival game series that um, it usually involves a, a night worker. Mm-hmm. That stays overnight at Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria, trying to survive and escape from a group of murderous animatronic animals, including the aforementioned Freddy Fra- Fazbear, right. uh, Bonnie the Bunny, Chica the Chicken, and Foxy the Pirate Fox, along with some character called Golden Freddy. I'm not yeah. going to lie. I didn't get too deep into some of this. So do you know about Golden Freddy? I know a little bit about Golden Freddy. He just kind of pops up here and there. It has to be a certain special set of circumstances for him to, to show up. And look, there's a lot of lo- that's that's kind of the beauty of these games. And that's the thing that's kind of fascinating about them to me is there's layers to them. Like, OK, yeah, this movie that we're going to be talking about in this game series, 
you know, they all play on the thing that we've all thought before. If you've ever been to a Chuck E. Cheese in your life and you've watched these this band playing on stage, they're kind of fucking terrifying. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like just the idea of their their dead eyes and their, you know, their seven foot metallic frames. I mean, you that's know, the you- uncanny valley effect right there is you see something that's humanoid but doesn't move or act like a human so it definitely sets you off exactly right so you know i think that that the guy that created these games i believe his name is scott coffin and uh he he kind of just took that and ran with it and um built a lore around the story of this uh beleaguered pizza shop that you know got shut down in the 80s because of a crazy accident that happened with one of the animatronics and a kid where somebody got their like frontal lobe bitten off or some crazy shit like that <laughs> and uh and yeah. then the, the the place got shut down and reopened some similar themes to what we see in uh in willie's wonderland but um but you know but it's like on the face of it yeah okay you're playing the game and there's a lot of jump scares and a lot of uh a lot of unsettling like atmosphere like you hear breathing coming down the hall and like heavy footsteps and shit oh, like so that yeah, you know, you got if you got headphones on and you're playing it, dude, it's a spooky experience. It really is. But uh, but there's also, you know, it's like on the face of it, you've got these killer animatronics and you're just trying to survive the night. And oh, you know, their they, their programming went wrong or whatever, and they're trying to kill you. But the the real story behind the story is a lot more unsettling than that so uh you know it, it's cool man it's like there's something for kids and something for grown-ups too i think yeah the and the story behind the story gets revealed through mini games and easter eggs as you play through all of the games in the series so if you play the first game you're not going to get the story Mm-mm. oh shit okay yeah so mm-hmm. as you play through it you find out that there was this man named william often who opened the original restaurant that he eventually expanded out into like you know a chain the whole purpose of this was to kill kids. Now, why exactly? I don't remember either reading or because I've never played any of these games except for the fourth one and only like once or twice. Yeah. I mean, I think the long and short of it is that basically the guy is just like a psychopath and there's uh there's some some like kind of cult magic going on, similar to what we see in Willy's Wonderland. And uh, yep. so, yeah, it's a, there's some, some, some a really dark, nefarious. Sub- it's it's kind of convoluted, too, but but it's definitely worth watching. There's a lot of really good stuff on YouTube that you can see if you're kind of like, ah, I'm not really into the game thing. I don't play games, but I'm interested to hear more about the story. Cause it is worth your time. I think if you go on YouTube, there's a lot of people that explain it really well and get into in depth and kind of cover all the nooks and crannies of it too. Yeah. I saw a few videos on YouTube that were oh, like an hour and a half yeah. explaining the whole story. And I'm like, oh, I don't have that much time right now to dive in. I wish I did. So this could have been a little bit more thorough. Cause yeah, like you're saying, the more nefarious story, and this is spoiler alert for Freddy fans out there who haven't gotten that far in five nights at Freddy's, but uh, skip ahead a few seconds. Basically, the souls of dead children are possessing the animatronics that are attacking the night worker at night. That's exactly and right. So it's very sim- – the, 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 the entire setup is very similar in that regard and in the regards to having a night worker working overnight trying to survive. And I, I don't know if there was ever uh, any controversy about that. I, I, I in, in looking up uh, – Stuff for Willy's Wonderland, I, I saw that it gained a cult following because people recognized the similarities, but no one ever seemed mad about it. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, I, I mean, I, and I think that there's a story there. I mean, well, first of all, I, these games are really popular with kids, like like 12, 13-year-old kids, kind of those adolescent kids, kind of like we were talking about when we were Shit, that, my, that age. My stepson was eight playing this. Like, yeah. he loved it. 
oh yeah, my daughter's five and she's already one. I'm like, well, settle down. You might not be ready for that just yet, but, you know, but she's it. She hears the older kids on the bus talking about it. So she's already right. and stuff. But, uh, but it's important because like the kids play these games <clears throat> and, and all this really dark shit. Yes. Like, like you said, there are many games where you're playing, but it's not like they explicitly say all of these things. It's like, you kind of have to know what's going on because yeah, to it's infer it, basically. exactly. Cause it's like, okay. it's like eight bit graphics and stuff. And, and they're not just, yeah, it was made and... to look like a uh, Atari 2600 graphics when you play those mini games. Exactly. Nice. Exactly. So, so it's, it's pretty subtle, which is uh, kind of nice. Cause it's like layered storytelling kind of like I was, I was talking about before, but yeah, I, I think, you know, to your point, you were talking about them not really getting mad. I think the reason why, I mean, this is my theory at least, they were they were actually working on a Five Nights at Freddy's movie. That was going to be a thing. They were going to make an official like licensed film, and actually, they got Jim Henson involved to do the the puppets and like the animatronics. Chris, and stuff. Chris, Chris Columbus, that directed the first two Harry Potter films, was going to direct it. Exactly. No so, I shit. Mean, this thing was going to be like a big deal, like a blockbuster. And it makes me interested to think how much of that really dark shit are they really going to get into? Because it almost seems like it's being marketed towards kids because, I mean, that's a lot of the people that play it. But, uh, you know, how dark are they going to get? How violent are they going to get? And I think maybe that was part of the issue, why the film didn't get made. Ultimately, I think there was some creative differences because the guy that the guy that created all this stuff, all these games, all these lore, he's kind of an interesting cat. He doesn't really like do a lot of public appearances or anything like that. He kind of just, you know, stays in his lane and just makes the games but i think he's real protective over the uh the the creative control aspects of the series so i think he's particular about who's going to do what with the with his property or whatever man i don't blame him but when you got someone like chris columbus fucking attached it's like god damn move on that shit exactly what kind of what kind of paycheck are we talking about here you surely you know he's he's gonna be set for life uh, there could have been a lot of other factors that caused that to slow down but what didn't slow down is the movie that we're going to talk about tonight. And, uh, well, if you're a first-time listener and you've never heard a Midnight Ritual on this podcast, a Midnight Ritual is where we'd like to lower the lights, go to the mm-hmm. arcade, order Get some romantic. pizza. <laughs> no, well, I was bringing us to a family-friendly restaurant full of uh, deadly animatronics, but okay, we can get romantic. Hey, that's romantic. Sexy. We can that's get romantic. sexy up in here, all right? I'm feeling the love over here. Let's fill the fucking love tonight. <laughs> let's talk about uh, let's let's dive into tonight's midnight ritual. If you have not seen tonight's film, Willie's Wonderland, cry off the podcast now. Wonderland is a 2021 American action comedy horror film directed by Kevin Lewis from the screenplay by G.O. Parsons, starring Emily Tosta, Pasta, I don't know how to say her name, Pasta, Emily Pasta. Pasta. <laughs> Emily, she's as, Italian. She's Italian. Yeah. <laughs> and she, she plays a character named Liv. Rick writes as <laughs> Tex McAdoo. That's, that's Warner, the best name ever. <laughs> Oh, I know, man. It's the, the best, best fucking name ever. Yeah, he Chris is. Warner as Jed, Beth Grant as Sheriff Lund, and none other than Nicholas fucking Cage. Nick Cage yep. um, 
he got he got attracted to this story. I guess he either read the script or heard about it, and he was like, "I want to produce this thing." I <laughs> oh <be."> shit! <laughs> uh, the story follows Noble Nick on his journey of silence, as he never utters a single word throughout the picture, and on his journey, he is tasked with cleaning a family friendly restaurant full of cannibalistic animatronic evils. All right. That's the movie that we're going to be discussing. This film came from Ryder Parsons' original 2016 short film, Wally's Wonderland. The name was changed. Don't know why, but it was changed. Maybe to not confuse it with uh, Chevy Chase and Wally World from the vacation films. (laughs) They didn't want people to think they were going to go beat up a moose. It's a fucking weasel, guys. (laughs) Originally set for a worldwide theatrical release, um, what we got instead was a case of worldwide COVID. So it was released via streaming and it had a limited theatrical run, did not make us gross, gross back through through that run either. So I, I did want to say that when I first heard about this movie, I was already on the Nicolas Cage train. I've been a Nicolas Cage fan for ever. Uh, Ricky, have we ever covered a film on this show with Nicolas Cage in it? I don't think we have. I don't think we have either. This is the first. I've been having a hankering for talking about Mandy, but it it hasn't happened yet. It could. It could. But I've been on on the cage train for a long time, even before his horror jaunt. Well, he he did Vampire's Kiss and uh, that Scorsese. What was that Scorsese film where he was an ambulance driver? (sighs) Waking the Dead, I want to say it was. No, I can't remember. But yeah, he's been knocking it out the park with horror with like mom and dad, pay the ghost. Mandy, um, Color Out of Space, and now, you know, this this latest one and Prisoners of a Ghostland, both from 2021. So, you know, he he's he's knocking out the park. But I'm a fan from back when he did Adaptation, The Weatherman. Um, a lot of people love him from Con Air, but I watched that one later. I kind of knew the more emotional Nicolas Cage like from um, Ghost Rider. No, <laughs> he had the weatherman and he had, and I think he actually had one called the family man too. That sounds right. Yeah. And then he did. Yeah. I was like, I think that was in the same time period that he did. I was that like Lords of war or whatever. He did a bunch. man. He's done so right. much. Lords been, of war. He's, he's been around. Uh, bad, bad Lieutenant. Like Nicholas Cage yeah. is a motherfucker fucking face off. Oh yeah. Why is there an oh. iguana on my ship? he goes for it man he goes for it in this movie he goes for something too he's doing a performance piece and you know well i don't want to show my nicholas cage hand but i think i think nick cage does a great job in this movie you've been a nick cage fan some people Uh, are closeted about their nick fage can uh nick Nick fage yeah (laughs) yeah are you are you nick faking fage the fage cannon uh no yeah he uh no man how can you not be dude i mean say what you will yeah he's had some horrible movies of course he has i mean anybody that does as much as he does it's it's not all gonna be you know on par some things are gonna be misses but true and i think people forget a lot i heard this described in another podcast one time and it made me laugh because somebody asked christopher walken one time about some horrible movie that he did and they were like well why'd you do that movie and he's like well my wife just really wanted a new house it's like you know this is a job for these people so sometimes they're gonna take roles that they probably know are gonna be shit but have you seen that dungeons and dragons movie oh that really crappy one i heard it was horrible though jeremy irons 
said because <laughs> people were like, "Why, why, why did you do it?" And he was like, "Well, I just bought a castle." And uh... <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Of course, Jeremy Irons has a fucking castle because right. why not? You know, my Lion King money isn't isn't coming in the, quite the same. No. This was pre-Disney Plus, so he wasn't getting those extra royalties. At that yeah. point. But no, but uh, but no, man. I mean, Nicolas Cage, I mean, you can say what you will, but the dude's a great actor. He's proved it time oh, and yeah. time again, you know? And I mean, obviously, you know, uh, he's had some great ones and then he's had the Wicker Man, but we're not going to talk about that really. I think, I think Nicolas Cage is great in everything he's in. It's yeah. the movies around him exactly. that, that, that suck. Right. You can he goes for it, bro. He, like, go, he goes all in. Goes for it, he does. You know? He does. You know, There's he's nothing gonna, wrong with that. If it's, if it's a shitty movie, then he's going to go extra over the top because, I mean. Because he wants crazy. you to enjoy it somehow, I guess. I don't exactly. Know. Does, and I, I respect him for that. Like He just he doesn't want the fucking beads bro. in your eyes, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. He lives over there in New Orleans, man. That yeah. is so he's got to he's got to be able to afford getting flooded every few years. So that's he's why he does a, all these uh, movies. He's got exactly. a tomb all set up too, bro. It's got like the fucking uh, it's got like a, a monolith, like a monolith phallus on top of it and shit. Yeah, yeah, some psychic told him like he needed to get that. So he was like, right, Nick bro. Nick Cage knows about the mud floods. Yeah. Oh, shit. (laughs) Nicholas Cage. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it's called. No, but, uh, no, man, I love Nick Cage. Uh, uh, you know, Con Air, The Rock, obviously, is some of his more iconic movies from the 90s, uh, you know, all time classics. Uh, Face Off is another one. That's a really, really (laughs) good one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, dude. And then, like, like you said, his most to me though, it's like I kind of felt like he kind of fell out of favor for a little bit there, maybe in like the mid two thousands. But he's been killing it ever since he started doing these horror movies. Mandy is, uh, well, I, if you guys are going to talk about that later, but I, I love that movie. It's so good, so well made. Fucking ten. Yeah, uh, <laughs> exactly. I, well, I haven't. We, we know who we have to have on when we cover Mandy. Then yeah, man, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I'd love to do that. And but I, and I've heard Pig is really good. I haven't seen that one yet. But I've, uh, I've heard a lot about it too. I ain't seen it yet though. Yeah, yeah. But uh, and is then that this, a horror movie? I don't think so. I think it's more. It, it's a weird movie. It's like yeah. a genre movie. I don't know if you call it a horror movie though. It's basically just about this like eccentric dude. Who, no, no. Uh, don't tell me. Don't tell okay. me what it's about. No. Uh, yeah, I want to go. It's on Nick, I mean, it's it's not a spoiler to say that Nicolas Cage is in a movie about an eccentric dude. So I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rick, Ricky, what are you? What are your some of some of your favorite Nicolas Cage films aside from Mandy? Uh, Ghost Rider. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I don't. I don't care. I like Ghost Rider. Um, got Sam Elliott in it, dude. I yeah. mean, yeah, dude. That's like, dope, I don't no matter care what. how bad it is. It's awesome anyway. Um, fucking Mandy, Color Out of Space. Now I'm going to draw a blank. Um, you blank Willy's drawing. Wonderland. Huh? No. Hey, 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 hey. Huh? Save your hand. opens with an old recording of some animatronics singing and dancing at a child's birthday party on a television screen. A terrified couple is revealed to be trapped inside of a building with some unseen terror stalking them in the darkness. As this chilling recording plays out on the TV, the man and the woman are killed. 
and then you get a fucking badass Nick Cage just driving all over the fucking place montage with an opening title card for Willy's Wonderland. And he has the straightest beard that ever straighted. That oh, dude, the fucking lines on his beard. <laughs> his, his lines are clean. Oh, his lines are clean, but oh, He had home. a fucking protractor when he shaved. Homeboy was lined up. <laughs> he was lined up. He was sculpted. <laughs> Out of nowhere, his car catches a flat tire. And in the middle of the country, outside of Hayesville, Nevada, that's where we're at, uh, he discovers a spike strip left on the road. All of this makes him thirsty, so he downs a can of punch energy drink and stands still for several hours until the mechanic Jed <laughs> picks him up and brings him into town. Did y'all notice that he stood there in the sun oh, yeah. for he, hours as the sun just rotated around him? I did notice that. He barely moved. Oh, you know what? I did. Make, I, I wanted to just throw it just because I thought it was funny right at the beginning when they did the opening credits. Did you notice that the production company had said something like it was like a chicken soup for the soul company or some shit? Like, oh, shit. I don't know why. I just thought that was funny because it's like we're about to watch some horrific shit, but brought to you by chicken soup for the soul. Chicken soup nice. for the soul. But uh, yeah, no, I did notice that. It was uh, he, he was he must have gotten a pretty good little tan where he was at. And after after this, uh, <laughs> this out of nowhere tire flattening, this local teenager live. Uh, Liv Hawthorne, I don't know if the last name really matters, but she gets handcuffed by her guardian sheriff mama, uh, Sheriff Lund, Hayesville's local and finest who serve and protect, while while caught trying to burn down Willie's Wonderland, a colorful establishment with a big orange weasel for a mascot. I I, I don't know, but I really love that uh, they, they actually took the time to make this, like to create the outside of the restaurant, have the sign up and everything else like that. They got oh, Nick Cage for this movie, but I, I should have looked at the budget. I think the budget was low too. Like, yeah, maybe, it was it was pretty five low. Five million, five, yeah, five million uh, from what I can see. But yeah, they probably spent a twenty percent of that on him alone. Oh, okay. easily. I mean, well, he did produce it, but still. Yeah. Sorry, I had to grab something. I'll, I'll again. I used I that opportunity to pop my, my <laughs> can open. I edit nice. around all this kind of shit. No worries. Uh, yeah, man. I thought you'd in. want to leave it in, bro. No, I'm not. I'm powering up. <laughs> <laughs> it, might, it might get left in. I'm leveling <laughs> up, boy. <laughs> the sheriff takes Liv back to their trailer and handcuffs her to what I think is a radiator. I really kind of can't tell what, what it is she handcuffs her to. That's that water heater. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Kenwood jug. I don't know. <laughs> I was thinking a radiator in a trailer like that. Yeah, I don't know. That sounds kind of dangerous. But this isn't before they run into Jed and fucking quiet-ass Nicholas Quage. I'm going to say Nicholas Quage. Nicholas Quaaludes. Quage. Quaaludes. Yeah. I just pictured in my head Dennis Quaid and Nicholas Cage (laughs) mixed together. Yes. Nicholas Quage. Things you can't unsee. (laughs) The knowing before tomorrow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they, the sheriff runs into them, and she ain't got no time for Jed's bullshit. He's sitting there trying to, like, ramble something off to her, and she's like, I don't have time today. Yes, ma'am. And he fucking hauls ass. I oh, love yeah. the, the, the interaction between the daughter and the mom, uh, well, the guardian here at this point, because it's so, 
it's vicious, but it's like you could tell they have a history. Right. You know, mm-hmm. she's yelling things at her like, uh, you're a bitch or whatever. And she's like, oh, I love you too. talk sweet to me more. The yeah. mom says, and she's like, uh, where am I? How am I supposed to eat? How am I supposed to take a piss? There's a bag of <laughs> chips on the table and a bucket. Don't make a mess. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, Cold blood. Cold blooded. And it makes you wonder what the hell's going on here. Like, why is it this intense? Exactly. Yeah. It's, it sets the intrigue. And, uh, yeah. I, and I love like the, the, you know, like the, the trailer park and everything like that. It's like, I mean, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I, I grew up around that kind of stuff. So it's like, it, you know, it's, you get a sense of that kind of, uh, that, you know, the, the vibe of just like, you know, like a low, a low income kind of poor area, you know, just like mom and pop kind of, kind of a uh, sleepy town, so to speak. Yeah. We grew up in an area like that too. Oh yeah. Over at Jed's shop, Cage notices a bunch of missing persons pictures uh, pinned to the wall there, which I think the movie really skips over that, but it comes into play when you find out later what's going on. And the total for his repairs comes to, let's say, $1,000. That's what Jed wants to bring it up to. And Cage, he doesn't have the funds on hand. Jed doesn't take plastic credit cards. And Hayesville doesn't have the internet. <laughs> I love that, dude. <laughs> I guess fucking 2021 or whatever. Like, right. nowhere Indiana has the fucking internet now. They got they got the, them, them those cannibal tribes in Papua New Guinea got internet, but this place doesn't. <laughs> he's like, he's like, they were gonna get it, and they just didn't. And they, didn't. <laughs> they just didn't. And he laughs. I love it. I love that. Yeah, it's fucking ridiculous, man. So the ATM's not gonna work. So what 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 is Nick Cage to do? Well, he's offered uh you know to work it off, and he silently nods in agreement. Just very, you hear the leather of his jacket that he's wearing, like like crinkle when he nods. I wonder, I wonder how tough it was, like to really not talk on set. That's got to be, or not on set, or like just during the filming at all, like like to not be able to say a single line. How does your character get their point across? And I think. Throughout the movie, for, for all body he, language and expression, I guess you know. Yeah, and for for what he needs to do, I think he does that pretty damn well, man. Yeah, he does a fine I, job, bro. I mean, he's got iconic facials; they've basically become memes at this point. So you know, right. he can get a point across with every his face, face he makes well. is a meme now, P- pretty much. <laughs> but but I got I gotta ask you guys because I, I had this thought thought, and I've never heard anyone express it before. I, I haven't really heard a lot of people talk about this movie. Period, but. Do you guys think that maybe the reason why he's quiet the whole time is because, it, you know, it was based on like a video game series where with a silent protagonist. So maybe he's supposed to be like a video game character almost or something where like, you know, he just kind of just quietly reacts to the things that happen to him. I don't know. I was I wondered about that. I think you might be on to something there, Danon. Uh That makes a lot of sense. Let's go with it. All right. I, it's I can, canon. I can, Let's I can go do, with it. I can do that. <laughs> I, I honestly have no idea. I didn't know if the uh, protagonist from the video games was silent. I didn't know that. Yeah, no, I don't think he talks at all. He just kind of like reads shit that comes across your desk and like look at cameras and stuff. But nah. right, and besides the uh, the animatronics, there's nobody else to really talk to. So damn, <laughs> that's a fucking great theory. No, I've never heard that or seen that anywhere. And yeah, yeah. not a lot of people have been talking about this movie too much. So. Yeah, Does he make noise like Doom guy when he gets hit? Does he go like? No, nah, he pretty much just dies instantly, and then you. Oh start shit! 
Tex McAdoo, owner of Willie's Wonderland, a once successful abandoned family entertainment center, offers Cage to have his car fixed if he cleans the restaurant overnight. Tex goes into a heartfelt spiel about having to shut the place down and wanting to open it back up again. And at this point, we meet the animatronic cast of Willie's. Hey, kids, it's Willie the Weasel. Welcome to my Wonderland. Come on down and meet the gang. We've got Audie the Alligator, Siren Sarah, Cammy the Chameleon, Gus Gorilla, Nighty Night, Ozzy the Ostrich, and Tito the Toilet. These things look fucking dope. I'm not yeah, gonna lie. Yeah, man. they all do look great. They killed it. They they spent twenty percent on Nicolas Cage and twenty percent on the animatronics, pretty much. They, yeah. they, they look dirty and old and dark and sick and just scary. very grim dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. They look very grim dark. Since I'm in a 40k <laughs> mood, uh, yeah, I I I gotta say I, I like the variety in the uh, animatronic characters. I was really like. Oh shit! There's a little knight dude with a real sword. That's hilarious and stupid, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But, and but doesn't it the turtle doesn't the turtle only speak Spanish? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, he's a Spanish turtle. That's why you see them. I love it. I love it. Hola, qué pasa? <laughs> Tex sets up Cage with some cleaning supplies and a Willy's Wonderland employee T-shirt. So he's you know he's he's on staff now. Yeah, he's got the drip. He didn't even get any. He didn't get the benefits package uh, uh, speech or any of that shit. (laughs) Fuck no, man. This is being done for like a fucking handshake, basically. (laughs) Before Tex leaves, though, he does promise to have Nick's car back in tip-top shape by dawn, or his last name isn't Tex McAdoo. Goddamn. I'm sorry. I I love love how he says it. Yeah. Yeah. And he also recommends that Cage pace himself and take breaks. You know, it's important that you do that. Mm. That plays a very big part in the entire film. Yeah, he took that shit to heart. He did. He said, <laughs> well, all right, I guess I will take breaks here and there. I can't do Nicolas Cage. <laughs> you got you to gotta, you gotta take care of yourself. <laughs> Tex and Jed then lock Cage inside and leave because they can't stand to hear a grown man scream. Turns out there's some scallywags, and their game is uh, dirty tricks and skullduggery. No good some bitches. Yeah. <laughs> Liv's friends, Chris, Kathy, Aaron, Bob, and Dan break in and remove her handcuffs with a fucking bobby pin. All the guys are like, hey, we got to find a screwdriver. we got to find some pliers. <laughs> her friend, who's just steadily chewing bubble gum, walks over there, uses her bobby pin to fucking release her, and it's like, God damn. Right. That was simple. <laughs> these, these, these characters can go one of two ways. Either audiences are going to fucking hate them because of how generic they are. Right. I, say, mm-hmm. I say generic, but I only mean they fit a role. Right. But I think, I personally think that they're unique enough in this story that they all have a sort of personality that, yes, you can identify quick, but it's, it's, either out there or electric enough or convincing enough that I'm like, I like these characters. Not that I care. They're, if they, they're, they're, they're good. They're good two dimensional characters. Exactly. They're, they, you know, know, I, they're good. I, yeah. That was my first thought seeing them is like, yeah, they're meat for the grinder basically, but you know, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> not that you, not that you want them to live or anything. No, it's not know. that. You know, it's, it's nothing personal, but we all know what you're here for basically. 
Oh, fucking A. <laughs> <laughs> they get her out of there, and she basically rallies all of them, though. Like, we're, she says she saw the bait. As the audience, you're sitting there like, what's the bait? What is that? Oh, shit. Things are coming together. And she, she gets her friends like, hey, we're in this. We're going to go fucking do this. We're going to take down Willie's Wonderland. They, they fucking go, man. But uh, Cage is back. He's cleaning the restaurant. And he, he finds a place to store all of his punch energy drinks, which, by the way, if you look on the can, it reads um, a fistful of caffeine for your kisser. <laughs> <laughs> he also fixes a sink, kind of. And, yeah. and as suggested, he takes a break. His watch goes off and he's like, I think it's his watch, right? Yeah, yeah. Like a little. Yeah. So while he's sipping his punch, he discovers a sexy pinball machine, but his break time is over. The watch beeps again, so it's back to cleaning for Cage. But he's clearly aware at this point in the movie that he's being stalked by Ozzy the Ostrich. And I'm, <laughs> this is where Ozzy screams, like, I'm going to feast on your face. And that's kind of, <laughs> right. that's, that's kind of. Such evil an evil dead, dead thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's it. fun, dude. It's so much fun. And I like that all the animatronic characters have this electronic sound to their voice when they're when they're speaking so it kind of really it plays into what we're going to find out later is trapped in the bodies but it, it's it i think it's i think it's fucking gnarly that the animatronics still play a part in the physiology of, of these 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 monsters so to speak yeah. right. so so and then with the beginning when nicholas cage is driving to he had dog tags hanging from his uh his thing so i guess he's some kind of like special ops or some shit like that because he's obviously a bad motherfucker whatever he does right Mm. One of those Blackwater guys or something. <laughs> He's got He's like probably, probably did a lot of yeah. terrible things in other countries that no one, no one's supposed to know about. Nobody maybe knows him. Maybe that's why he took a vow of silence. Oh, Could be. Shit. Could be. Or maybe uh, you know. Maybe he went down south of the border and, and fought a terrorist cell of animatronics or something like that. <laughs> so he's got experience, you know. The animatronic cartel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I keep hearing about those. Man, they're deadly. Damn, dude, is is this the same character from Con Air? It could be. <laughs> oh shit! What was that? What was his name? Oh fuck! You put me on the oh, spot. I don't remember either. It's Cameron like Poe. There it is. There Cameron. it is. Cameron fucking Poe. Boom. Descended from Edgar Allan. Yeah. This is this is the telltale heart at in the floorboards of Willie's Wonderland. Everybody. <laughs> it's all connected. A fight ensues, or should I say, a fat ass L for Ozzy the ostrich because Ooh. Cage beats the ever loving shit out of him and leaves <laughs> of black blood or oil yeah, it oil. yeah. I'm dude he just just destroys the, like it's not even a thing it's not even a thing like you were saying he knows what he's doing he's got a military background apparently so yeah he's kicking ass man well, and I like it's like it's like they're building it, you know. It's good. It's smart storytelling because like the first one should be kind of easy, you know, because it's like right. game. It's like you're working your way up to the last boss or whatever. So you're gonna smoke the first guy and you're gonna feel pretty good about yourself, but you know. When call Nicholas Cage Willie Nelson because he smokes all fucking night, dude. <laughs> That's right. Um, <laughs> the sheriff <laughs> is shown in her office with a state officer named Evan Olson, brought in to help secure a curfew that they've set in the town. He's questioning this because it's like, why am I here? Don't get me wrong. I love the fucking overtime. I got, you know, a kid on the way and blah, blah, blah. 
but why am I here helping you enforce a curfew? Basically, the sheriff kind of shrugs him off and says, listen, the job is to sit here and pray that this phone doesn't ring. That's ominous right yeah. there. Yeah. So she, she knows what she the knows. fuck is up. Exactly. That's what it tells you right there. Cage cleans up, grabs another shirt, another punch, and sexily cleans his sexy pinball treasure ever so sexily. <laughs> and, and all slow jam jazzy. All he needed was that, that, that Con Air hair flip, you know? Dude. <laughs> Ricky, does he not caress that machine? He does. He oh. goes a little far with it. If I do say. I just want to say this. I love the fact that like he cleaned the fuck out of that bathroom, like spick and span, it's shining, and then he murked that fucking ostrich and got it all dirty, and then he cleaned it again. Like you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like he 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 was thorough. Oh no, no. Well, the the, the bathroom. Yeah, if you want to see, if you want to see Nicholas Cage do chores and kill robot animatronic guys, then this is the movie because <laughs> Nicholas Cage is. On on them chores. <laughs> the scene the scene Danny's referring to is 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 like right around the corner because the remaining animatronics they start to move and sing and Cage is like fuck that and he turns off the lights and puts a stop to their shenanigans. But Gus the gorilla, he's not done monkeying the fuck around, right? <laughs> he wants to play hide and seek in that freshly clean bathroom. Yeah, you're right, dude. Nick Cage goes in there and it's graffiti ridden. Oh, man. Decrepitness. And he cleans the shit out of it. Like, I would eat off the fucking floors yeah. in there. I'd it was I'd it, eat it, out it, of the toilet. I know. And it looked like the bathroom at Cowboys to start with. And then, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> that's, some, that's some Lafayette, Louisiana. Uh, right that's a deep cut. That's, that's a deep, a deep cut. cut. Yeah, I was going to say CBGB, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, like Cowboys for sure. <laughs> This leads to another absolute fucking ass whooping as Cage tears Gus up with a plunger before urinal stomping his fucking skull in. Oh man, yeah, American History X style his ass. <laughs> Bruh, the oil flies everywhere, and unfortunately, the bathroom, like you said, is yeah, it's all fucked up again. Yeah. Break time ensues with another punch. Cage sanding his nails with sandpaper and a round of pinball outside. Liv's friends are dousing the perimeter with gasoline. I love this line where the, 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 the two of the guys are arguing about how they're spreading the gas around. He's like, what's the point of this? You're getting your gas on my gas. <laughs> right. <laughs> you don't cross the streams. Everyone knows this. Liv, Liv decides that she needs to go inside Willie's Wonderland through the vents so she can get the bait out, meaning quiet cage. Uh, in the vents, Liv is chased by Ori the alligator before finding herself in a foggy, haunted forest room where Siren Sarah taunts her. And this this part, uh, this movie doesn't creep me out, like, genuinely, because I know what ride I'm on for. But right. I would say that this scene could be close to, along with a later scene with uh, Cammy, the, the creepiest, besides from when Nick Cage and, and Willie have their stare-downs throughout the whole fucking movie. I mean, it happens, like, five times. Right. Where they're in the same room as each other, and Nick Cage is just like, you're a weasel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was some claustrophobia there for sure. That was probably the most unsettling part for me. Well, 
at this point, Liv lets out a scream and her friends are like, well, fuck it. We're going to go fucking rescue her. Except, except for, um, was it Bob? Yeah. Bob's like, fuck this. I'm out of here. And I'm like, damn, Bob. <laughs> why you gotta be so heartless? <laughs> but they, they convince him to go up there. And when they're up there, Cage is investigating and finds Liv unharmed. And she's like, you need to leave, blah, blah, blah. And he just walks the fuck away completely like, I don't give a shit. And all of Liv's friends caused the roof to collapse. So they all mm-hmm. come tumbling into the goddamn Don't place. they get in like a, a, a tussle, a little a little teenage tussle or something? Yeah, like they get yeah, in they... kind of a little a little bitch fight. A lover's quarrel. <laughs> I think I think I think Aaron, I think his name the character is who whichever guy is hot for Liv tackles Bob because he's mad that he's trying to leave again, even though they got on the roof. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, they go through the ceiling like that. So that's and... how they all that's how they all get in the building. Right. Yeah. Her and her friends encounter uh, Nicolas Cage here, and, and that's when they realize that he's been taking the animatronics out one by one. So he's cleaning the kitchen, and Liv starts to divulge the backstory. And the backstory is that Hayesville has a dark history. Willie's Wonderland was originally owned by the sick and sadistic serial killer Jerry Robert Willis. He called together a coven of cannibals to lure families into the super happy fun room at this restaurant where they would kill them. Eventually discovered by the authorities, the cannibals performed a satanic ritual in order to transfer their souls into the animatronics before committing suicide. Years I mean, later, why ten- not? <laughs> what do you got to lose? Why not, you know? You know he's a serial killer because he has three names. Every serial killer has three names. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, man. It's fucking true. Except for um, the Night Stalker. Well, yeah, and Jeffrey Dahmer, I guess, but everyone else. But everyone else. John Wayne Gacy, fucking Charles Lee Ray. He's fictional, but fuck it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Tex McAdoo buys and opens Willie's back up after all of this happens. But it wasn't before long that incidents occurred involving the animatronics moving on their own, cursing out kids, and killing and eating customers. So it's been shut down ever since. And everyone speculates that Willie the Weasel convinced Tex not to destroy the place by making a deal with the devil in order to keep Willie's Wonderland standing. This is the kind of like deep black magic shit that I'm I'm all about. Finding out that the story is like laden with this, that that to me is is the best. Exactly, and and it's like this is you know that's where the common thread really between this and, and five nights at Freddy's. But then also there's another wrinkle that we'll get to in a few minutes that makes it kind of different. That's cool too, with the whole town aspect of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. You're right. While cage is taking his uh, next break and playing a game of pinball, the group listens to Willie sing one of his songs about six little chickens. And mm-hmm. suddenly nighty night impels Aaron with his sword and Sarah and Tito devour Dan alive. These scenes happen a little spread apart, but I'm keeping I'm keeping uh, the events kind of concise here. For sure. Chris manages to hide and calls the sheriff. At first, she doesn't even want to deal with the shit, but she finds out that Liv is there. And at that point, her and State Officer Evan is get they're on their way. They're fucking going to Willie's, man. Yep. Cajun, he ends his break by decapitating Nighty, saving <laughs> Liv, <laughs> before already eats Kathy and Bob while they're fucking i mean that that seems yeah. awesome oh yeah it they is gotta, they gotta throw that in there um in retaliation for this by the way cage 
breaks Artie's jaws, both of them, both fucking parts of his mouth. Again, easily, easily tearing through this. I, 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 I'm sorry, but I'm just saying, like, so far, Cage has been owning. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, he's hacksing. Hacksers. <laughs> and, uh, all, <laughs> Chris is a punk ass bitch, by the way, and he gets tricked by Cammy the chameleon in the arcade <laughs> room at this point. <laughs> and on the way there, the sheriff, the sheriff reveals to Evan that <clears throat> after Willie's Wonderland was shut down, the animatronics continued murdering and eating people in the restaurant and throughout town. So they were breaking out at night and fucking going to eat everybody around Hayesville. So That's her, right. it is, dude. Her, <laughs> it is, dude. He's just trying to like go lay down, and go to bed, and this fucking big doofy ass animatronic <laughs> turtle just shows up and it's like, "Hola, cómo está?" and it kills you and eats you. Donde está el baño? And then he yeah. fucking hits you with a that, banjo. That would be terrifying, but also just really fucking embarrassing if you think about it. <laughs> like, like, how do you put that on an obituary? Yeah, you got fucking taken out by a big-ass turtle animatronic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, dude. So this is this is where she she's revealing, like, the animatronics, they, they, keep, they kept murdering everyone around Hayesville, so her, the sheriff, Tex, and Jed made a deal with Willie. For over the past 20 years, they've been tricking random people that come across those spike strips laid out for just such an occasion into cleaning up the building or offering them somewhere to stay, all in the guise of them being human blood sacrifices to the animatronics to satiate their bloodlust. A young Liv and her parents were among those victims, and Liv was the sole survivor, so the sheriff adopted her. And that's when we find out... And right. Liv, Liv, though, doesn't know this, right? She don't know that her, her guardian is involved. I don't think that we ever even get to that point until a little bit later. And I, I really like that because, to me, it kind of humanizes the sheriff in a way because even though, you know, we're we're learning that she's complicit in all of this shit and she's, like, you know, evil in her own way, like, I kind of felt like, okay, you know, she felt – she I felt that desperation. Like, she's thinking there's no way that we can do anything about this. There's Yeah, but we have to protect our people, so we're going right. to take this deal with the devil, basically. And so it, it kind of humanized the whole thing for me. I agree, man, and I, I, I wholeheartedly – and I think even in the first scenes when, when their relationship was very ugly, you can tell she still cares enough that – Yes, she's handcuffing a human being to something and keeping them there, but there's something greater going on here. And what's greater is a fucking a town basically complying with some sort of evil cannibalistic animatronic cult. It's fucking insane. The, the plot is insane when you dig into it and look at it for what it is. It's and when you say it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. So... <laughs> Cage and Liv arrive in the arcade and immediately Cammy snaps Chris's neck. So he's fucking done for. He, he ratted them out to the sheriff and now, you know, stitches, snitches get stitches. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Before they can fight, though, Cage's alarm goes off. So he, he takes his punch and pinball break, <laughs> leaving Liv with a switchblade. He tagged off. her out. He yeah, tagged her, I should say. <laughs> Cage returns, however, and lassos Cammy around the fucking neck, tossing her all over the fucking arcade. And they try to exit the building, but the sheriff stops them and pleads with Willie that the town didn't mean for this to happen. 
She handcuffs Cage and leaves him there to die as Evan takes Liv away. He's not trapped in there with them, though, according to Liv. They're trapped in there with him. Mm-hmm. That's that, that's, that's a, a line. That, that's a badass line, but that makes me think of... Uh, what, yeah. yeah, Rorschach. Yeah, Rorschach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rorschach, Rorschach did it better. I'm not going to lie. Well, he yeah. did. He did do yeah. it better. That, and that's fucking our, our, not our boy, Freddy Krueger from the Nightmare remake, but he's our boy <laughs> from Watchmen. Exactly. Um, Old Jackie. Yeah. Mm hmm. He's, he's another three-namer. He may be a serial killer. We need to he investigate be, on this. Yeah. <laughs> Earl Haley is, in fact, the serial killer that set up Willie's Wonderland. That's there you go. <laughs> Sarah and Cammy come to life, okay? Because the sheriff rolls out and the jukebox kicks on. And even in yeah. handcuffs, Cage starts to get psyched up for the fight, dude. This is where shit's shoulders, knees, and toes. <laughs> this, this might have been my favorite part. This, this might have been my favorite part. Of he, went full, he went full cage right here. Oh, fuck yeah. While driving, Evan is convinced to help Liv. Like, this scene plays out for a few minutes, and you're like, yeah, she's getting Evan on his side. But he's swiftly killed by fucking Tito the Turtle. Yeah. Just starts getting, he pull, gets pulled out the car, starts getting eaten. I'm like, God damn, Evan, you were, you were about to make a stand. Oh, it man. was all for nothing. This is, this is a cosmic element at play here. <laughs> I felt it, bad it, for it, his kid at home or his kid that was on the way or whatever. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I didn't even think of, oh, man, that's even more fucking dark and fucked up. Fuck your you, daddy Tito. got killed by a turtle. Your, da- your daddy got murked by a bitch ass turtle. Sorry. Sorry to be the one oh, to tell you. daddy got this. hit by that train. No, your daddy got. <laughs> Got killed by a robot turtle. <laughs> that's, he was a Spanish robot turtle that killed your pappy. <laughs> the goddamn pedophilias got killed by a Spanish robot turtle. That kid is gonna get shit in school, man. <laughs> that a dot of Tito's. He couldn't hold his drink. <laughs> so, so Liv manages to escape by beating Tito into submission with a fucking shotgun, which is badass. Back at the restaurant, Cage seemingly breaks Sarah's fucking neck and twists Cammy's head completely around, killing her. So Quiet Cage resumes his task, bags up the dead animatronics, and continues cleaning. He just, he won't stop, man. He's got a code. I mean, it's obvious that these people have fucked him over, but he's like, you know what? A deal's a deal. I'm going to get this fucking place cleaned up. Right. It was a deal made with a handshake. Right. And he's owning up to it, man. I got I gotta I gotta commend him. I really do. <laughs> the stare down building up the entire time is about to happen. Cage versus Willie the Weasel. But his alarm declares it's time for another break, so punch, <laughs> pinball, and a bit of a dance session, which was improv by Nicholas Cage. Nice. While throwing the trash bodies in the dumpster, he waves at the sheriff who's been sitting outside and this pisses her the fuck <laughs> off. So she holds him at gunpoint orders him inside where she offers up cage to feed willie i love this he's got to be fed thing like that that yeah that language being used Mm -hmm. really i don't know man it it it, it, it's i love that kind of dialogue it could be cheesy i know it could be but i still love it and i think she says it i think it's delivered very well now go in there and feed your mother yeah, it's such a ridiculous premise <laughs> on the face of it that, like, she she went all in on it, man. It was good. It was good. 
I'm taking Suddenly, it to really... Colorado Space. <laughs> no, I, 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 I know what you did. <laughs> Suddenly, Willie appears behind the sheriff and with one swipe severs her in half. So That's at this awesome. point, yeah, it's fucking awesome. Hell yeah. At this point, you have to be like, oh, fuck. Nick Cage has been working his way through all these animatronics so, like, without any effort, like, easily. Yeah. Now he's got to deal with daddy. Yep. He's got to deal with big weasel daddy. <laughs> <laughs> the fight is on as Willie knocks Cage into some button that sets off confetti and a warbling, slowed down version of the birthday song we've heard throughout the film. The doom metal version. Oh, yeah, <laughs> dude. The fucking... The, the Candlemas remix. <laughs> <laughs> Super fun room version. Um, Hillary Clinton, Uba Aberdeen, Frouse Drip. Uh, Cage is a victim to the weasel's razor sharp claws and collapses into a ball pit from whence he emerges and loads up a sack with his remaining cans of punch energy drink and creates some sort of makeshift bludgeon. I don't know what he yeah. makes it out of, but he does. And he goes to war with He goes full metal jacket room. all on that ass. Oh, bruh. Yeah, it's, blow for, it's blow for blow, man. Oh, yeah. Basically, until Cage gets the upper hand, he fucking beats Willie into the ground in an oily cascade of his own blood, and then he pulls the weasel's head clean the fuck off. Again, seemingly pretty easy. Yeah. Nothing seemed to really challenge him in this movie. The main baddie is dead. He's fucking dead dead i gotta ask what did y'all think of all the fight scenes in the film well honestly uh, i mean you know the the fight i would say the fights were probably less memorable than the the uh you know the, like the choreography i guess you could say you know i mean like you said he did go through he burned through them pretty easily like he ran through those guys like yeah. kind of makes you makes you wonder if they're gonna do a sequel or something like that and set something up where, where you know maybe they uh they come back stronger because of devil magic or some shit like that. But, uh, nah, the, uh, you know, the, the fights were what they were, but I mean, the, the, the dialogue was fun. The gore was great. And, uh, I mean, I enjoyed them for what they were. Yeah, I, I agree. The, um, the fights themselves were not necessarily memorable, but the kills were cool. Yes. You know, when, when you finally got to the, the nitty gritty parts, it was rad. I want to say that too. I feel like the fights themselves, the actual like like Dana said, the choreography, not so great. The kills memorable, the setups memorable, some of the characters and lines very good, the gore fun. The fights were lackluster, uh, in my opinion, but I I didn't get caught up in in the in that fact. I kind of thought from after like the first two or three, and when the supporting cast acknowledged like that Nick Cage was badass for killing the animatronics and bagging them up in garbage bags. I'm like, if it's a running joke that he just wipes these things out because he's that fucking awesome, I'm going to love this even more. And <laughs> by the end of it, by the end of it, I loved it even more. Yeah. Yeah. So I Dawn, Tex, and Jed return, and they find Willie is completely clean with all the animatronics fucking gone. They're, they're missing. They're not there. Quiet cage. Quiet. Overpowered. Nicholas Cage <laughs> dons his leather jacket to the tune of Leonard Skinner's fucking Freebird, and he gets his keys to his car without a word from anyone. So it's like I find it weird that when Jed and Tex walk in, 
They see it all. They don't say a fucking thing. Kind of like how Nick Cage ain't said a fucking thing this whole yeah. movie. He text just hands him the keys. He's out of there. He non-verbally suggests to Liz, like, come with me. So, <laughs> that was pretty good. So, so she does, man. And <laughs> the movie ends with Tex and Jed discussing possibly reopening Willie's Wonderland under a different name, maybe Texas Turf. Yeah. yeah, that could that could sing. That could sing. But Siren Sarah suddenly appears and sets their car on fire, killing all of them in a massive fucking explosion. And as Cage and Liv drive away from Hayesville sharing a punch, they run over fucking Tito. Who had lived had not killed earlier. She just beat his ass bad. Right. That's the film. That's fucking Willy's Wonderland right there. A bloody trail of dead, oily animatronics and a badass <laughs> Nick Cage who picked himself up a young trophy wife. When the daylight's gone and you find yourself alone, standing face to face. was 2021's Willy's Wonderland. That's the most up-to-date movie that we've ever covered on the show, seeing as 2021 just fucking ended. I saw this towards the beginning of last year. I liked it a lot. Immediately got my uh, wife to watch it, and she liked it a lot. So it's just been kind of like one of those movies that we reference around the house. And um, I won't speak for Ricky yet, but uh, he watched it and we talked about it, so mutual-ish. I'm going to go ahead and say right now, the performances all around are okay to really good. The cinematography is really good. The score is great. The lore and the imagery is 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 amazing. I, I got I to gotta tip my hat to Five Nights at Freddy's after learning about what it is, and I can't deny that the similarities are definitely there. Someone staying overnight, being attacked by possessed animatronics, it's the same basic story with slight alterations. So if the original screenwriter, uh, Parsons, you know, if he got his inspiration from Willie's, that's fine. Like I said before, no one really seems to care. It's not a controversy. Not like how Dean Koontz's intensity is uh, ripped off heavily by High Tension, the French film. Um, that That's out of this world fucking ripping off. But all that being said, this movie is fucking fun. This is a get together with your friends, crack a few beers, just 
enjoy all the subtle, funny shit that the characters say, the way they act. Enjoy the insanity of the entire story. And if you're like me and you like that it's supplanted with this black magic, satanic shit, that just kicks it up a notch. I'm going to give Willy's Wonderland an 8.5 out of 10. This movie, fucking, this movie fucking kills it, man. Yeah, I mean, this this is definitely a, you know, dig into the case, get some pizza, have fun, enjoy it. And, and I love movies like that. It's gory. It's fun. There's good dialogue, good shots, cool lighting, cool set design. I like, I really <laughs> like doofy ass animatronic monsters uh <laughs> um, and i i really like some of the doofy ass characters so and 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 i love nick cage so i i could i can just have fun watching nick cage in anything i'm gonna go ahead and give this one an eight because it fucks so i'm gonna yeah. give it an eight with room to rise it could get to that eight and a half, maybe, maybe. It could, it could be a nine, even. I mean, I'm it just... depends on how much blood flows into the vessel that day. <laughs> True. Yeah. Danon, man, what do you think about uh, Willie's Wonderland, and what do you rate it? I've seen it and a you, couple. Of, what's up? You could rate it any way you want. By the way, you don't have to go half points. You can go quarter points. You could rate it by saying, "I don't want to rate this movie. I just think this." <laughs> no, I'm fine with the number. It's kind of arbitrary anyway, but like. Uh, yep. I love this movie, man. I had fun with it. I enjoyed it the first time I saw it. And when I rewatched it for the pie, I uh, I liked it even more the second time. Uh, I think the reason why there's really not a lot of controversy, because, yeah, this movie is basically a blatant ripoff of Five Nights at Freddy's with a few subtle alterations made to it. But I think the reason there's not a controversy is because that movie has basically it's been stuck in grip lock and it doesn't look like it's going to be made and uh and so they basically said okay well we're going to make a five nights at freddy's movie without it being officially called that because we can't do that and so and not only that but i think that it's probably for the best honestly because i mean when you're dealing with a big studio picture they're probably gonna want to make it a pg movie or a pg-13 movie to appease the kids and you know and it gets watered down a little bit and it's not as fun and this movie went balls to the wall and they basically uh you know made the most of of the r rating and they made the most of the budget they did a great job with set design they did a great job with uh you know nicholas cage was a was a great choice for the protagonist <laughs> and uh i love the nicholas cage quirks that have basically become like if you're gonna put nicholas cage in a movie he's got to have some of those nicholas cage idiosyncrasies like you know he's got to go play a pinball machine or he's got to have a, an addiction to energy drinks or something crazy that they never <laughs> yeah. really I love that they never explain any of that shit either. They're just like, yeah, no, this is just who he is. Homeboy just likes to play pinball, you know? <laughs> like, what's right. the story there? He's just you a know? pinball historian. But, uh, he's a pinball, he's pinball wizard. wizard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, man, I, I, you know, I had so much fun. Like you said, look, I love serious, somber, stark horror movies as much as anybody, but sometimes you just want to put a 90-minute a movie on and just have fun with it, and that's what this Hell was yeah. to me. So, you know uh, what, man? Those the, I appreciate those just as much as something like The Lighthouse. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, know. dude. <laughs> yeah, def, definitely. So I, without all of that being said, uh, if I had to give this movie a number, I'd probably go 8.5 as well. Uh you know, it's 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 pretty great. The animatronics all looked awesome, very distinctive. 
uh, you know, and the, the restaurant, you know, felt like a, a real place. I don't know. Definitely. Cool. Yeah. That's it, man. This movie has an atmosphere based on locale, based on the practical effects in front of the screen, based on the actors giving it their all and Nick Cage being a part of it, iconic as he is. Willie's Wonderland, that's an 8.5 from me, an 8 out of 10 from Ricky, and an 8.5 from Danon. So, I mean, you could say it's a fucking 8.25, whatever. It's worth a fucking watch. We watch all it. love it. Yeah, we all love seen it. it. Watch it. We and all it, love is on, it. it is on Hulu, by the way. So if you got a Hulu account and you got 90 minutes, dude, <clears> I highly recommend you, you just, just go watch it. It's fun. Well, fucking A, man. That's been Willie's Wonderland. Danon, dude, thank you so fucking much for being on the show. We've known each other for years through social media, but it's finally awesome to talk about some horror movies. And I really hope that we'll have you back on. Absolutely, bro. Yeah, man. It's been my pleasure, dude. It's been so long. I haven't done anything in the podcasting space in, in years, and I've been itching to get back into it. And it's been fun to do this with you guys. And you guys are cool. Obviously, we all got similar vibes, similar tastes. And uh, and this is why we do it, bro. We just like shooting the shit and sharing the vibe, bro. You know? 100%. This is why we do it. <laughs> uh, embrace the hokey pokey. Hands, shoulders, knees, and toes. Knees and toes. <laughs> All right, man. I'm ready to blow out of this Willie's Wonderland place. It ain't even my birthday. The food sucks, and these guys want to kill me, so I'm going to be Fucking stay spooky, bitches, and stay out of Willie's fucking Wonderland. Or my name ain't Tex McAdoo. <laughs> <laughs>
chains. <laughs>